Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Go with me tonight to the book of Genesis chapter 37. The book of Genesis chapter 37. As you're turning there, let me... Uh, let me let me just say this real quick, um, uh, just to piggyback off of off of Pastor. Um, I preached at Jeffersonville Assembly of God Sunday morning. My official time was twenty six minutes and fifty nine seconds for my message. I told him I said I'd have been here a lot sooner to eat some of that barbecue over there. I said, but I said I preached for twenty six minutes. But the altar service, I think, lasted for about an hour. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, but we praise, but we praise the Lord for that. Genesis chapter thirty-seven today, to this evening. You don't have to stand tonight. I do want to just share with you a few things. I'm going to take a text here in a minute. But I want to talk to you tonight, if the Lord will help me, about the hope. Of a dream. I want to talk to you tonight on the subject of a hope of a dream. I was, this is a thought that came into my mind just yesterday as I was, as I was, got up yesterday morning and I was praying and as I was seeking the Lord. Dreams are interesting. Have you ever done a study on dreams? Just see what all everybody has to say. About dreams, and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about daydreaming. I'm talking about your actual dreams. As a matter of fact, science is still to this day, even though that the I'm going to give you my nerdiness here for just a moment. Even though that uh, dreams have been as far back as recorded and studied back even back in the old Mesopotamian days. Nobody, even scientists, really understands the concept of dreams. There's a lot of theories out there. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of dis- different things, and it, really, that's what it is. It's speculation, and it is in it is theories as to what enables a person to dream. What is it that actually enables enables a person to dream. They believe that it is a, it's a neurological function. It's something in the brain. But when they do sleep studies on people and they look at people and they study, they try to study people and try to study their dreams, they believe that it, that, that it is something to do neurologically with the brain, but the interesting thing is that science cannot pinpoint what area of the brain actual dreams come from. They can't tell you. They cannot tell you exactly where your dreams come from or why people dream. They will say that normally... And again, this is my, I hope you're not bored by this. This is just my nerdiness and my science coming out. But it will tell you that, that, that the average person.
person that if, if they dream will usually dream in their in in the REM cycle of 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 their sleep, and their dreams will usually last anywhere on average from two to about ten minutes. But in our subconscious, when we dream, sometimes it feels a lot longer. But they actually say the average time of a dream can be anywhere from two to ten minutes. Where do dreams come from? What causes us to dream? Now, the Bible has a lot to say about dreams. The Bible has a lot to say about what we are dreaming, and again, I'm not simply talking about daydreaming and just having certain thoughts, but things that I believe that God places on the inside of us. Nowhere do I find the dream any more real or any more significant than what I'm going to read to you here tonight. Because tonight I want to talk to you about a man that God gave a dream to. That God deposited something into. And it awakened a hope in this young man's life at an early age. That helped him see through some difficult times. That helped him persevere when it seemed like that at times... Everything was against him. When it seemed like that everybody had forsaken him. When it seemed like that everybody had come against him. When it seemed like that everything was forgotten. He held on to the dream that God gave him. Amen. Oh, I feel like I'm getting ready to preach here for just a few moments. Because I believe that sitting in this house tonight and those of us that are watching by Facebook, those that are watching us online, and those that are going to be able to hear this message at a later time, I believe sitting in this house, God has given us dreams. God has placed something on the inside of us that tells us, that lets us know that God is wanting to do something miraculous. God is wanting to do something tremendous. As a matter of fact, Paul would write in Ephesians and he would say, I'm wanting to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. And I want and I want you to know there were that I want you to know that even though that it seems like that things that God has spoken to us, that God has showed us, that God has said that He has wanted to birth in us, even though that it seems like that, that it is never going to come to pass. I want to remind you tonight that you've got to revive hope in the midst of what you are seeing. It, your, your dream may not look like that it is going to come to pass, but I want to tell you, even in the midst of a pit, even in the midst of a prison, even in the midst of an accusation, even in the midst of being alone, even in the midst of, of going through trials and tribulations, it is in those points that something has to arise up in you. Something has to, something has to arise in you. Faith has to 
arise in you. Hope has to arise in you to say, hey, I know what God has spoken to me. I know what God has shown me. And I know it doesn't look like this right now. I know it doesn't look like everything that God is wanting to show me right now. I know that the enemy is fighting. I know that the enemy is coming against me like a flood. But I know and whom I have believed. I know and whom I trust. I know who has spoken to me. I know that I walk by faith and not by the circumstances that are around me. I know that God is bigger than my trials. I know that God is bigger than the pit that I may be in right now. I know that God is bigger than, than the valley that I have to walk through. I have hope and I have faith that God is going to bring to pass what he said he was going to bring to pass. Amen. 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 So with that being said, Genesis chapter 37. Let's start at verse number 18 tonight if we can. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 8. Speaking of Joseph, this is what they said. This is what the scripture says. When they saw him afar off, and this is speaking of his brothers, Joseph's brothers, and seeing Joseph afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, listen how they describe Joseph. Behold, this dreamer cometh. Behold, this dreamer cometh. Verse 20. Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And listen to the words of his brothers. And we will see what will become of his dream. We will conspire against him. And we will see exactly what will come about. What God has birthed in him. Can I tell you that there is an enemy that is seeking to conspire against us, against this church, against the ministry, against your ministry, against my ministry, against your families, against my families. And it's all because of the seed that is inside of you. It is all because of the dream that God has given, has given you. You see, this is what happened to Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph believed God. When God showed Joseph something, he would believe it. But here is the interesting thing. Not everybody is excited about what God is going to do in you. Oh, amen. Not everybody is excited about what God is wanting to do through you. You see, not everybody's excited about what God is wanting to do here tonight at harvest time. Not everybody. 
everybody is always excited about what God is doing in your family. Not everybody's excited about what God's doing in your finances. Not everybody is excited about what, about what God is doing in ministry and in the church. And such was the case with Joseph. I don't have time tonight, but I just want to share a little bit with you. You see, Joseph was given a dream. God birthed something on the inside of Joseph. God gave Joseph a dream. And as Joseph dreamed, he dreamed that his father that, that his father and that his, that his brothers at one point would come and bow down before him. Joseph would share this dream. Joseph would share this dream with his father and with his brothers. And here's the interesting thing. Let me just preach right here. You've got to be careful what you share with others about what you believe God is wanting to do through you. Because even people sitting in the church are not always going to celebrate what God's doing to do in your life. Not everybody's going to do it. And so all of a sudden they begin to conspire against Joseph. His brothers begin to conspire against Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph had a destiny. Joseph had something that was placed inside of him that was God-ordained. God had called Joseph to great influence. God had called Joseph to greatness. And can I tell you here tonight, I know this is a different message, but I just feel like preaching it. God has called each and every one of you, and he has called me in this house this evening to greatness. He has called you and I to do great things. He has called you and I to be great. Oh, brother we were supposed to walk humble and we and all that we were supposed to worry about greatness yes you can be great and do great things and still walk humble you see what I'm afraid of is that even in the American church there's been a spirit of mediocrity that's been on us there's been a spirit of mediocrity that's been on the American church for 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 about 40 or 50 years but I'm telling you God is willing to break the spirit of mediocrity off of our lives off of our families because even though we may be doing some great things, there's a, there, there, there's a difference between doing good things and doing great things. Oh, and so sometimes we're content with doing the great, the doing the good things, but God is wanting to take us into the great things. God is wanting us to do great things. And this was Joseph. Joseph was called to greatness. Joseph was called into good and to be a great influence. We didn't know all of what Joseph was going to accomplish. But here is the thing about fulfilling the dream that God has placed on your life. You see, you would have thought that when Joseph, as soon as Joseph, God gave this dream to Joseph, then all of a sudden the pieces would be put in place. But little did Joseph know where this dream was going to take him. Where, the, where this God-ordained destiny, some of the things that Joseph was going to have to face in order for him to fulfill the greatness that God had thrust into his life. Because in one moment's time, God takes Joseph out of his Comfort zone. Mm. I want to tell you, if you are a true 
God-ordained dreamer, it'll take you out of your comfort zone. It'll take you into places at times that'll make you feel uncomfortable. And see, that's the reason a lot of times, is this okay tonight? This is the reason why a lot of times we, we're satisfied with the way things are. No, no, you get quiet when you get now. A lot of times we get satisfied with the way things are. We don't take risks because risks cost us something. Mm. Risk costs us something. I'm, I'm content with just how things are. But God had a way of taking Joseph out of his comfort zone. Because listen to this, and, and this is not a, an exposition over everything that he faced, but immediately God gives Joseph a dream. He tells his brothers, his brothers get mad at him, and immediately they seek to kill him, and they throw him, and, they, and, and because one brother says, no, we should not kill him, we ought to just, we ought to just throw him in a pit and sell him. He is in a pit. They they sell him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. But I love what the Bible says. God was with him in the pit. And God was with him while he was a slave. And he's a slave for a man by the name of Potiphar. And as he, and as he is, is, is working for Potiphar, the Bible says that God is showing favor. God is showing favor over the entire house. But one day the Bible says that Potiphar's wife cast his eyes upon Job, cast her eyes upon Joseph. The Bible says that actually many days Potiphar's wife was coming after Joseph, was looking at Joseph, was looking, was, was eye, was eyeballing, sizing him up one side and down the other. She wanted it in Joseph. She, she wanted Joseph for herself. But how many, but how many knows Joseph looked at this and he said, listen, he said, he said, Potiphar has given me everything in this house. The only thing that he's withheld from me is you. He said, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to sin against this house. I'm not going to sin against, uh, against, I'm not going to sin against Potiphar. And you know the story. She grabs a hold of him and she grabs a hold of him and begins to beg and begins to plead with him. Come on. Come on. Ain't, no, ain't nobody else in the house. Ain't nobody else going to know. I'm preaching right now. Ain't nobody else in the house going to know what's going on. And the Bible says that he ran out of his coat. He ran out of his clothes outside the house. Listen, he may have ran out of his clothes, but he didn't run out of his integrity. Goodness, I'm preaching right now. Better than your shout. But she got ticked off at him and accused him and accused him of rape. And that's just the that's just the way that we're gonna that's just the way that we're gonna say it here tonight. There's no pleasant way to put that. And and accuse uh, and accuse him of uh, accuse Joseph of, of raping of raping her. And she gets cast he gets cast into prison. And can you just imagine what is going through Joseph's mind? God, I, you've spoken to me. God, I, you gave me a dream. God, I know, I, I know you're going to do great things for me. But God, I don't see how in the world you're going to do. I, what are you? What are you doing? My brothers all turned their backs against. 
against me. They don't love me anymore. They, they wanted to kill me, but they didn't kill me. They ended up selling me into slavery. God, you were with me at that point, and you showed me favor, but now I got this woman that has just falsely accused me of doing, uh, of taking advantage of her, and now I'm sitting here, and now I'm sitting here in prison. God, I don't understand the path that you're taking me on. Oh, I'm preaching right now. I don't understand, God, the path that you're taking me on, but God, I know that you're with me. Why? Because the Bible says he was with him in the pit, that God was with him at Potiphar's house, and God was also with him in the prison. I want to tell you, we may not understand all the ways of God, because Isaiah says that the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. I may not understand everything that I'm the ways of God. It's not up for me to question all the ways of God. But sometimes we look at our present situation or we may be in a pit or we may feel like that we're in a prison. But I want to tell you, God can be with you through it all because God's got a purpose. And just like Paul the Apostle said, I have committed that unto him against that day. He is able to, he is able to perform. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And I know that if God started, he's given me a dream. He's given me a purpose. He's given me a destiny. He's birthed something on the inside of me. And I may have to go through some tough times. I may have to go through some battles. I may have to go through some sickness. I may have to go through some, some, some betrayal. But I know that thou art with me. You are my rod and my staff, and they come for me. You will notice my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. It'll follow me in the pit. It'll follow me in It'll follow me through the accusations. It'll follow me through the prison. Because God is getting ready to do something. And harvest time, I want to tell you tonight, God is getting ready to do something. God is getting ready to bring the dream of past. God is getting ready to bring the dream to pass. God is getting ready to birth that which he has spoken over. He's getting ready to birth back what he has spoken over your family. He's getting ready to bring about what he has bringing, what he has placed on the inside of you. Let hope arise in you. Let hope arise. Because that dream that he has just spoken to you is getting ready to come to pass in this life. Oh. Listen. You see, gotta be hopeful. Gotta be hopeful. I don't know everything that went through Joseph's mind. I just know that the Bible says that God was with him. Can you imagine being in that prison? You've been accused of something ungodly. You're in there. You're in that prison. You've got a baker and a butler in there. They've had dreams. You begin to interpret the dreams. You say that because of what you did, that they, they're going to help you out a little bit, but then they forget you. Amen. Right. And so there you are, sitting in that prison. It's dark. It's gloomy. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows anything about you. The ones that you've helped aren't around anymore. They, they, they thank you for the help, but I'm just going to go on down the road somewhere else. Amen. 
Oh, here we go. And you don't know everything. You, you, you're just sitting there and you say, God, I know. God, I know what you showed me. God, I know what you spoke to me. God, I know what, what, what the, the dream that you've, that you've placed inside me. I know the, the vision that you, that, you give, that you give it to me. Because see, here's the thing. You see, it was the vision that kept him alive. Hallelujah. You know how I know? Because the Bible later on would, even, would, would end up telling us that where there is no vision, people perish. Okay, here we are. You see, when you lose sight of the vision, when you lose your vision, when you lose the dream, when the dream dies, you'll begin to die. Come on. Yes. I'm preaching right now. When, 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 you, when, when you can't see, when you refuse to see, you know the reason why? You know the reason why that Eli and his you know the reason why Eli lost every everything? It's because the Bible says that he got to the place. Got to the place. And there's a spiritual implication as I know that Eli and first Samuel was an old man. But the Bible says that he couldn't see. It wasn't just about his old age. It wasn't just simply, it wasn't just simply about that he was getting older and his eyes were getting dim. But there was a spiritual implication. He was the priest of the house. He was supposed to be the one that God ordained and that God appointed. But he refused to see. He, he lost the vision. And when he lost the vision, God had to raise up Samuel. My God, I'm getting ready to preach right now. God had to lose somewhere. And I'm telling you what's happening right now in America today. My God, I feel a prophetic utterance on me right now. What I see right now is there's people that have lost the vision. There are ministers and pastors and evangelists that have lost the vision. But God is raising up some Samuels. God is raising up some people that says, hey, listen, I still see what God does. I still see who God saves. I still see the miracles that God performs. I still see the hopeness of still God's right standing and looking for His people. I still see that He delivers. I still see that He provides. I still see that He can, he can save whosoever that will call upon the name of the Lord. Because the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you get a hold of the dream, if you get a hold of the vision, you'll see revival and hope spring up. What kept Joseph alive? But, so we got to be hopeful. Don't lose your vision. But I want to speak these things to you here for just a moment. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 18. Proverbs 23 and verse 18 says, There is an end. To your expectation. It shall not be cut off. Harvest time. Those that are watching by Facebook. Those that will be listening to this message. There is. An end. To what you are expecting. We are expecting. Something. You've heard me say this. Say this a few times, but it's just been in my spirit for the last several weeks. God will meet you at the point of your expectation. If you come into church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, see, here's the thing. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to sound mean. I'm not trying to do anything like that. But listen, I, and I've been in a lot of churches this year 
where we just treat Wednesday night like that's the throwaway service. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I, I, I've been there. So I want to tell you, God can move on a Wednesday night just like He can on a Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, God wants to move on Wednesday night just like He does on a Sunday morning. And so, some, but but here's but but here's here's the reality of it. You know, we worked all day. We you know, we 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 we've done all we you know, we've done. We we're tired and 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 we're, and we're weak and you know, and when we're tired and we're weak in body and the bed's calling our name on Wednesday night when we walk into church. And we just kind of just, just, just stumble in and what have you. And I get, and I get all that, but I'm afraid that what it is caused in some people's hearts and in some people's lives as well. I just hope that it just hurry up and gets over with, and the preacher doesn't preach too long, and and, 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 and the choir and the praise team doesn't sing too long, and what have you. And what happens is, is we come in and we don't expect anything, and then we get mad at the preacher and we get mad at the pastor, and then we say, well, we're just not being fed, and we just go down the road somewhere else. No, no, my brothers and sisters, God will meet you at the point of your expectation. God will meet you at the point of your expectation. If you walk in here and you're and you're, and you're mad and ticked off at the world and you just don't expect God to do anything, you can't get mad at the pastor and the associate pastor and the rest of the church when God doesn't meet you where you're at. But if you come in and you say on a Wednesday night, oh, I'm tired of my body. I've worked hard today. Yes, that bed sounds like yes, yes, that bed. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. We can all quote this. You all okay tonight? I'm at 30 minutes. This, this is too good. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. Come on. As eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah writes that scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he tells those people, he says, Listen, he said, he said, the old people are wearing out. 
The young people are getting weary. I, I get it. You're getting tired. You, you, you're, you're, trying, you, you're, you're trying everything that you know to do. God's, God's told you something. God's birthed something in you. And you're tired. You're worn out. You, 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 sometimes you just, it takes everything to do just to go just to go one more day. But I want to tell you something, church. Those that wait upon the Lord, what does it mean? He's not talking about just passively waiting. He's not talking about just, it's not like when we go to the doctor and they tell us that our appointment is at 10 o'clock. They don't see us till 1 o'clock. And we're sitting there in the, and we're sitting there in the waiting room just waiting on the doctor to come. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about service. That's what he's talking about. It's the same word that we use when we go into the restaurant and they call them a waiter or they call them a waitress. It's about service. So what do I need to do? What do I need? You need to wait on the Lord. You need to serve Him. You need to listen. You get up in the morning and you say, I don't feel good in my body, but I'm going to lift up my hands and I'm going to praise Him. Oh, I know, I know I don't have much money in the bank, but I'm going to believe that He is Jehovah Jireh, that He is my provider, that He owns the cattle of a thousand hills, He owns all the silver and the gold. I'm going to wait on Him. I'm going to trust him. If he needs me to do something, and I look at my wallet, and it says, and I look, and I only got $20 in my wallet, but he speaks to me and says, hey, give it to that missionary. Hey, you need to give that to that person over there. That they, need, they need a bill. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Because I know that as I wait on the Lord, as I trust him, as I serve him, I know that he's going to renew my strength. And I'm telling you right now, just my God, I feel the Holy Ghost on my preachers. We're getting ready to mount up on wings of eagles. We're getting ready to mount up. Are you ready? You better get ready. Because we're getting ready to mount up. We're getting ready to soar into the heavenlies. We're getting ready. We're getting, we're getting ready to take our flight. We've been in the mully grubs for way too long. But I just sense in my spirit that the eagles getting ready to carry us away. That we're getting ready to raise up. We're getting ready to rise up into some glory that we've never experienced. I believe for some of you in this house, your family's getting ready to raise up into some glory that you've never experienced. For harvest time, we're getting ready to raise up into some glory that we've never experienced before. Why? Because you're waiting. You serve thankfully. You've done everything that you know to do. And you're getting ready to mount up. So get ready. Get your shoes on. Get dressed. Because it's getting, we're getting ready to take our flight into the glory of what God has called for us. And finally, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'm done. How do we... How do we maintain this dream? Here's how you do it. Paul would write in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. He says, Now the God of all hope. Look at that. The God of all hope. Fill you with all joy and peace. See, God doesn't fill you with doubt. God doesn't fill you with anxiety. God doesn't fill you with fear. God fills you with all joy and all peace. That means that there's nothing lacking. Nothing lacking. Now the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace believing Listen to what he says, that you may abound. 
Abound in what? Abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. My brothers and sisters, it's the Holy Ghost that's going to get us through this. Amen. It's His Spirit that's going to help us through this. The dreams that God has birthed in this house. How does it come to pass? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Saith the Lord. God fills us with all the joy and the peace so that we can abound in this hope. That means you can be in the middle of your sickness and still have hope. You can be in the middle, you can be in the midst of the greatest pain and misery of your life, but you can still abound in hope. Because hope, hope is not, is not relegated to circumstance. Hope is not relegated to what we externalize. Hope is not relegated to stuff. But hope is relegated through whom we have believed. And if the God of all hope has filled you with joy and peace, then you can abound in this hope. I I think many times, and and Sister Kathy, it's okay, I'm going to just use you as an illustration. You get a diagnosis like that, I'm going to be honest with you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have questions. All of that. But there was never a time that I would speak to her. Where I ever got the sense that she ever lost her hope. Was it rough? Oh, I imagine it was. Was it scary? Oh, yes. I think the same thing was true with Joseph. God, here you go. You've given me this, but I'm in this pit. I don't, I don't like this pit, God. Oh, okay. God, God, you've given me this, but... I've been accused of something. God, I don't like that. You know, that's okay. There's been many times I've told God, God, I really don't like this. 
God, I'm in prison. God, I'm, 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 I'm there. It's, listen, I'm just being honest with you. Most, some of you know this. Some of you may not know, but here you go. I spent 12 hours in the cell. I never want to do that again. Because I'm going to tell you, in that moment, in that moment, when I was sitting in that holding cell, for those 12 hours, and I sat there, I'm telling you, there ain't much hope. So I imagine Joseph looking at that going, God, I don't like this. God, I don't understand where, where you're taking me through in all of this. I don't understand how this is the way to get me to where I need to be. But God knew. Even though he went from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison, it was always about getting him to the palace. Oh, I just, I. Church, what you may go through is not about what you're going through. But it has everything to do about where you're going to. There's been dreams. And the hope of a dream is this. And I'm wrapping this up. God will fulfill what He has promised. Amen. Stand with me all over this house. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at PastorJeremyCook at gmail.com. God bless and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Music.